1: But Jesus Now maybe this is ABC. He's God. That's clear. All kind of scriptures that that, that, that proclaim it. He's God come in the flesh. He's just as human as every one of us. But none of us are Him in the sense that He is deity. But He's just as human. He's 100% human.
0: In the Gospel of John, we read that greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. What's remarkable about the Gospel message is that God himself became a man so that he would do exactly this, lay down his life for us. In today's message, Pastor Danny continues to reflect on key doctrines that help us better understand Revelation. In his study, you'll learn the importance of the doctrine of Christ being both fully God and fully man, not one or the other, but both. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 1, with part 2 of today's message, The Cost of Commitment to Jesus. To every nation.
1: not saying I'm just human. He's saying I'm a unique human unlike any other human because I am the Messiah, God come in the flesh. He sees one among the lampstands like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet as his priestly robe with a golden sash around his chest. A belt made of pure gold would only be worn by someone with Immense well wealth, power, and authority. And you won't find anybody with more of those than Jesus. Verse 14, his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow. And his eyes like blazing fire. Value, preciousness, purity. And his eyes, penetrating scrutiny. He sees all. He knows all. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Every time I read that, I flash back in my mind as a young Christian to my only time visiting Niagara Falls. And if you've ever heard it, just. Feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. Bronze biblically speaks of judgment and he is the divine judge. And he judges rightly because he sees all, he knows all. In his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, the word of God. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now, before I read the next verse. John had seen Jesus. John followed Jesus, basically hung out with him for three years. John was one of the apostles that had the unique privilege to be handpicked by Jesus to go up onto a high mountain. And while they're together, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, he was transfigured. Jesus was before them. They saw his glory. But if I'm understanding the Bible correctly, they didn't see the full manifestation of his glory. Like John does here. Because. Verse 17. When I saw him. I fell at his feet. As though dead. I don't wonder what's going to happen when we see him. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. That Jesus is Lord. And then he placed his right hand on me. What grace. <laughs> here he is. He's like dead. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. That's like saying, again, Alpha and Omega. Hey, I'm the beginning, I'm the end. And look, I've always been in control. I'm still in control. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. You want to have a good relationship Was somebody that has the keys of death and hell. (laughs) Right, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this: the seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches, my opinion. They're the lead pastors, senior pastors. Key leaders, whatever you want to call them, of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So much here. Oh, man. But I go back to chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony Of Jesus. There are two words that John uses to describe his situation. One, and I'm not trying to be impressive. I'm not a Greek scholar. You know, you just have great Bible programs now and you can know what the Greek words mean. And the one word is phlipsis. And it's important to know what it means. It's a word that means I feel trapped, pinned to the wall, unable to move or negotiate a way out of my circumstances. John says that's how he felt, on the island of Patmos. The second word is the word gnomai. And gnomai means a shock, surprise. It's something unanticipated. It's something unexpected that happens. John's saying in a way that I could never have expected, predicted, or anticipated, I came to find myself on the island of Patmos. One of the highlights of my pastoral ministry was a few years ago, we visited the island of Patmos. We took a tour. And I got to do an overview, about a 40-minute overview of the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos. I get Jesus bumps just thinking about it. It was a highlight. It's about 24 miles off the coast of modern Turkey, uh, about 60 miles from the ancient city of Ephesus, uh, 10 miles long, 6 miles wide. In the day John wrote the book, Patmos was a prison where the most notorious criminals were sent. Murderers, thieves, robbers, insurrectionists, etc., et Patmos was the Alcatraz of the ancient Roman world. Now, for those of you who are younger, Alcatraz. Alcatraz is uh, San Francisco Bay, off the coast there. Shark-infested water. It's not functioning now, but it was a prison... And it was an American prison where we sent the most notorious criminals. It was the most secure prison. Even if you escape, uh, you, where are you going to go? You swim in the shark infested waters, you get eaten up. Unless you're Clint Eastwood. <laughs> if you saw the movie, I think he got out of it. Well, he got out. I think he made it. He, still, he did make it. He's still living in California. The Alcatraz of the ancient Roman world. Um, they tell us one day the elderly apostle John was at his home in Ephesus where he was living at the time and somewhere around the year 93 AD, Roman soldiers suddenly burst into his house, arrested him, chained and shackled him, put him on a ship, carried him to Rome and he had to stand before Domitian, the God Emperor. Domitian tried to force John to bow and burn incense to an idol. John refused. Domitian was incensed. Domitian took John, ordered that he be thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. He survived. You say, how does that happen? It's called a miracle. (laughs) Domitian, because he couldn't kill him, just like Nebuchadnezzar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, only Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged their God after that. Domitian didn't do that. Domitian said, well, if I can't kill the dude, I can't get rid of him. And he banished him to Patmos. And John says, I was shocked. It wasn't anticipated. And I would love to have negotiated a way out of my situation. Jesus I want to remind us of something about Jesus. Now maybe this is ABC. He's God. That's clear. All kind of scriptures that that, that, that proclaim it. He's God come in the flesh. He's just as human as every one of us. But none of us are Him in the sense that He is deity. But He's just as human. He's 100% Human, And we must appreciate when he prayed in the garden. Father, if there's any other way. And he prayed it not just once. He prayed it three times. And he prayed it not just as a, oh Lord, I'd love to get out of this. No. Hematodrosis was happening in his physical body. That means that as he's sweating, blood is coming out and blood is mixed with his sweat. He... Is at the most crucial point in his life. Humanly speaking. And he wants in every member of his human being. To get out of it. If there's any other way. And if he'd left the prayer there. The cross would never have become a reality. But he continued every time. Yet not my will. Yours be done. They came to arrest him. Peter pulls out his sword. Terrible aim. Wax off a guy's ear. Oh, well, he's not seeing very good. Why? Because he's sleeping when he should have been praying. <laughs> Jesus said, put your sword away. All who live by the sword will die by the sword. Don't you know that I can call on my father and he will send legions of angels all Jesus had to do was say, Father, I'm not willing. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the way they treated me. I don't deserve the cross. Let's get out of here. And the father would have said, okay, son. Boom. That's what he said to Peter. Jesus' word. Don't you know I could call him my father? He'd send legions of angels. Father, if there's any other way. Yet not my way. Yours be done. And the Father's will was to crush his own son. And the Father's will, because of his love for the world, was to allow his one and only beloved, pure, holy, spotless son to be so treated that they would crucify him. Let me read it one more time. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, it was on the island of Patmos. Why? Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. There is always, without exception, a cause. to obey the word of God. Always. Never an exception. If I'm going to obey the word of God, I'm going to say no to my flesh. I will not, if I'm going to obey the word of God, live in sexual sin. I won't do that. That's a cost. I will not bow to an idol. I will not allow my heart to love things that money can buy. I want to keep my heart loving things that money can't buy. There's always a cost to obedience. And you like to negotiate your way out. And then when you end up where you are, because you know, because you've been obedient, why are we surprised that it got worse when you obey Jesus? Peter, boy one of my favorite characters in my life. Peter knows failure. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Why? Because you live in a body. You're human. He was human. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. That doesn't mean you never be tempted again. That doesn't mean you'll never fail again. It just means that you are no longer wishy-washy. You are not lukewarm. You are not half-hearted. You're all in. And you know what it is to pay the price. Because you paid the price. As a result, you find somebody like that, Peter goes on. As a result, verse 2, He does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And then he gets real practical. For you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. And then he atomizes. He begins to tell us what some of those things are. Living in debauchery. Debauchery. A very simple way to understand what that big word debauchery is. Is doing what you want to do. Doing what feels good. Living in debauchery. Lust. Living in sexual sin. Whether it be pornography. Or an unholy relationship. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. And you're living in a sexual relationship with them. Drunkenness. Drunkenness. Orgies. Carousing. Detestable idolatry. What he's saying is if you're the real deal and you've made the kind of commitment that cost you, you've left that old life. What? You, you've left that. Don't do that anymore. There's a cost involved. And then they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. That's a big way of saying it. the old friends. They think you're nuts. What you not? What you're not living with them anymore? Why? I thought you guys loved each other. Yeah, but we realized we, we came in Jesus came into our lives, and we realized it's an unholy relationship. It's not pleasing to the Lord, and they're looking at you like you're from another planet. Why? Because everybody's doing it. Well, I got news for you. Most people may be, but not everybody's doing it. There are some pure Christians. There are some Christians that are worth their salt. There are some people in the church that are the real deal and have counted the cost and are willing to pay the price. I just realized how that just happened. This building is owned by a Baptist church. (laughs) <laughs> My Baptist blood is coming out. going to me That's what Baptists do. If they're good Baptist preachers, they yell at. Him. I've heard Pastor Brent owns this church. He he yells at him. because of the Word of God. Because John said, because I obeyed the Word of God. I'd like to negotiate the way out. I didn't want to come here. But hey, because of the word of God and because of the testimony, just, just being willing to publicly acknowledge before people in the world that you're a follower of Jesus, that you're a Christian, it will cost you. It will cost you. I'm going to bring it to a close. Now for the new people, you know, the regulars go, when he says bring it to a close, you need to understand. Don't get your car keys yet. <laughs> it ain't time to go yet. When he says I'm bringing it to a close, that means this is a long way down to the room. You, you want a warm, fuzzy verse to memorize? Let me give you one before, before, we, before we land the thing. Philippians 121. Here it is. Here's a wonderful, warm, fuzzy verse to memorize. For it has been granted to you. On behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him. But also to suffer for him. There's a verse in Hebrews 11. Talks about Abel. Abel's brother Cain. Murdered him. And it talks about Abel and his blood. And he talks about the idea of him speaking. Even though he's now dead. And that can happen. Somebody's dead but. Something about them and their life, they're still speaking. Oswald Chambers, he's been with the Lord for years, but he still speaks. And this little wonderful devotion uh, that I love and hate. I love it because of the truth in it. I love it because of the challenges. But man, man, does it sting sometimes. And February the 3rd, Oswald strikes again. And I'll just read you just a little section of the one day devotional. After my regular Bible reading, I pull out the my utmost and here it goes. You can be saved by the skin of your teeth if you like. You can refuse to let God count you as one separated under the gospel. Or you may say, I do not care if I'm treated as the off scouring of the earth as long as the gospel is proclaimed. A servant of Jesus Christ is one who is willing to go to martyrdom for the reality of the gospel of God, And he closes it with this. Paul did not say that God separated him to show what a wonderful man he could make of him. But to reveal his son in me. Let me tell you something that maybe some of us as Christians don't realize. The Christian life is not about you. The Christian life is not about my comfort. The Christian life is not about my glory. It's not about God's got a wonderful plan for your life. He does have a wonderful plan of eternity. But this side of heaven, it may be hellish if you're obedient. And if you're unashamed to say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There's always a cost. And it's a shame that in some churches it's proclaimed that, hey, Godliness is a means to financial gain. If you really have faith, then you'll get what you're looking for in this life. I'm not against blessing. I love blessing. I love material blessing. As long as that material blessing doesn't keep me from spiritual blessing. Well, you can't do Revelation chapter 1 without a fresh reminder and a fresh exhortation that the Christian life is not about me. about Jesus. And if God the Father was willing to allow His one and only beloved, pure, spotless Son go to a cross that He might save the world. Don't you think He'd be willing to let us go to a cross? That's what we're called to. The Christian life, when you boil it all down into something very very simple to understand, it's a cross. And I'm just as human as you. And when from obedience and looking to glorify Jesus in my life, I end up somewhere that's not comfortable. And I don't enjoy. When you obey Jesus, if you're in an unholy relationship, that means guess what? If you're going to repent, you might have to break up and you end up alone. But you're not alone. Now you're actually in a place where Jesus says, yeah, good move. I know it costs you. But when it's all over with, and that's what Revelation is about. We know what the end is going to be. When it's all over with, you'll be glad. You'll be glad. You won't be disappointed. And you'll be able to, to, to look in Jesus' face after you get up off the ground. <laughs> and hear him say, good job. You allowed me to glorify myself through your life.
0: The book of Revelation isn't an easy book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now. And the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming. And it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end. And His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know that this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad that you took some time today to learn from the living word with us. If you'd like to hear this teaching again, visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That's all the time that we have for today's message. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into the scripture right here on the living word.